What's up, Dolphin fans? This is Aaron Katzker, a.k.a. Aaron the Brain, and welcome to another edition of The Same Old Dolphin Show. Uh, it's another solo show as I preview the Dolphins' Week 16 matchup, the second-to-last game of the regular season versus the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be in Kansas City. And you notice that I said... The second-to-last game of the Dolphins' regular season. And the reason I make that distinction is because, in spite of all of the disappointments that have come the Dolphins' way this season, and all of the likelihood that these will be the last two games of the Dolphins' season, period, there is still a slim chance that the Dolphins could make the playoffs. So for those of you Dolphin fans listening who still want to believe that this team can find a way to get into the postseason, uh, there is still a chance. Uh, but in, in order to do so, they're going to need to first win out, which starts this week in Kansas City, and then would conclude next week with a home matchup against the Buffalo Bills, and along the way... They would need six other games to all go uh, their way. They would need to get help from teams like the Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals, who appear to be packing it in and, you know, basically tanking for for a draft pick the way the way they've played over the past month or so. And those teams would need to have pretty monumental upsets. And in addition to that, they'd also need the Buffalo Bills this week to win in Foxborough against a Patriots team that is trying to get home field advantage. So it's certainly not a likely scenario that the Dolphins will make the playoffs, uh, but it is a possibility. So it is worth talking about and worth mentioning and... Bottom line, if they're going to make it, it has to start with them winning out over the last two weeks. And that means, like I said, it means it starts this week in Arrowhead, uh, one of the more difficult places to win for road teams. And so that is the task that is ahead of the Miami Dolphins this week, uh, going into Kansas City and, and against a Kansas City team that has a chance to clinch the AFC West, a Kansas City team that has been kind of weird this season, uh, a team that after an opening day blowout victory over the New England Patriots and following that up with four more victories to start 5-0, and a team that many said uh, one of the favorites to win the AFC, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. They then went on to lose six of their next seven games, which really opened the door for really everybody else in the AFC West, with the exception of the Denver Broncos, because they just completely fell off the face of the earth. But that kept alive the Oakland Raiders. It kept alive the Los Angeles Chargers. But the last two weeks... In divisional games, in Arrowhead, key games, the Chiefs have responded, uh, coming up with victories over the Raiders, and then last week, a huge 
home victory over this over the Los Angeles Chargers on a Saturday night uh, in prime time. Really a showcase game and really a game that uh, perhaps shows that the Kansas City Chiefs have righted the ship and are now back closer to the team that everybody thought they were in the first month of the season uh, as opposed to the team that they had been for just about two months in between. Um, so that's what's ahead. That's the task that's facing the Dolphins as far as the way that Adam Gase is approaching it in the media. Um, the media down here uh, seeming to be a little bit more realistic. You know, not really thinking that the Dolphins have much of a chance. Even though they have a chance, it is a very slim one. And so when asked about what is the significance of these last two games of the regular season, uh, Coach Adam Gase said that over the last two weeks of the season, the Miami Dolphins players will have a lot to be playing for because they will be playing for their jobs. And so this... Uh, Spawned a lot of people to say, well, what, is it, what does he mean by that? Who are the guys that are playing for their jobs? And look, the, the bottom line is this really encompasses everybody on the team. Unless you're a guy that's planning on retiring at the end of the season, you're playing for your job next year. Uh, you know, you're it, whether you're on this team or not, you're playing for a job because either you're playing for, you know, a starting job on this team or your contract to be picked up by this team next year, basically, you know, one of those 53 roster positions, or if you're not on this team, you know, let's say you're a free agent, let's say you, you know, maybe you're a cap casualty, you're still playing for a job on one of the other teams because you cannot go out there and put a bad performance on tape because if you put a bad performance on tape Everybody sees it. So I think it's just, it's kind of a panned answer. It's kind of coach speak and everybody's just kind of run with it and made more of it than, than it really is. When Adam Gay says, you know, these guys are playing for their jobs. I think that's just a reality of this league. Every single week is every single week. These guys are playing for their livelihoods. But um, if you really want to delve into it and you want to say, well, what? who are the players that really need to have a great performance or who are the players that Dolphin fans would really like to see have a big performance over these last two weeks um, so that we have maybe a little bit more clarity at a couple of positions. Um, perhaps they give themselves a little bit more job security on this current roster and on the roster as it projects towards next year. So let's take a look at those guys. I think um, the first place we have to start, I believe, is the wide receivers. Uh, I believe, you know, the one of the things that has hung over the franchise all year has been the question of Jarvis Landry about his contract situation. He's a free agent at the end of the year. We know he wants to be paid as one of the elite receivers. The argument can be made as to whether or not he deserves to be paid as one of the elite receivers, whether or not he should be considered an elite wide receiver or not. Um, that's an argument that can be had. Uh, but from what I've seen, 
especially after the trade of Jay Ajayi, there's no question that Jarvis Landry is the best player on the Miami Dolphins offense. And at what, 24 years old, 25 years old, a guy that's really just entering the prime of his career, it would seem to me that this is a guy that you absolutely have to lock up. And you probably can't afford to just sit on the fence with him and say, well, let's take it year to year and make him the franchise player, uh, you know, tag him with the franchise tag and risk, one, upsetting him because he wants a long-term deal, and two, taking up that much cap space, which would be about $14 million just in cap space next year, which would be basically all of the Dolphins' cap space. It would mean that they would literally have no money to go out and spend on anybody unless they were to make some serious cuts in other places, in which case it would make no sense to allot that much money to one player for only next season. So I think really the the solution is yet you've got to find a way to lock this guy up. I mean... At this point, because of Devontae Parker not really having the breakout, and he had a nice game last week. It was a nice game. It wasn't a spectacular game. Uh, But because Devontae Parker has not shown that he can be a reliable number one option, um, I think that makes it even more imperative uh, that the Dolphins find a way to lock up Jarvis Landry. And look, I'm sure the Dolphins would love to pay Jarvis Landry closer to the 10 to $12 million per year range. I'm sure they'd love to get Jarvis Landry at like three to four years for around 35 to, to 45 or 35 to, you know, 42 million, somewhere around there. Unfortunately, I don't think they have very much leverage in this, uh, in this negotiation And so if it comes down to it, if you got to pay him $14 million a year, the extra $2 million that you're spending on Jarvis Landry is going to be worth it as opposed to losing him for ultimately what would be probably a second round draft pick in a compensatory pick. So it'd be a late second round pick or an early third round pick, however you choose to look at it. So to me... Uh, you got to lock him up. And again, staying with the wide receivers, it's, you know, we want to see Devontae Parker have a big game. And Devontae Parker is a guy that is really playing for his job next year because at this point, nothing that Devontae Parker does in these last two games is really going to change my mind and nor should it change anybody else's mind. It shouldn't change anybody else's mind in the door, in the Dolphins organization um, that, he could, you know, potentially now all of a sudden be fulfilling his promise and all of his potential because ultimately if he has two really great games, it's just two really great games. It's too small of a sample size to then definitively say, oh, well, now Devontae Parker is the guy that we thought he would be. So at the end of it, no matter what happens, the best case scenario is Devontae Parker plays really well in these last two games and you say, all right, well, we still want to wait and see what we've got with Devontae Parker. Um, but we're going to sign Jarvis Landry 
to a long-term deal, and then Devontae Parker will have a contract year to kind of prove his worth long-term next season. And then the debate will come next year as to whether or not uh, it would be worth it to re-sign Devontae Parker to a long-term deal. Then what do you do with Kenny Stills and or Jarvis Landry at that point? Um, but if, let's say Devontae Parker does not play well over the last two weeks, now Devontae Parker, you know, basically goes into next season looking like he's a bust, and maybe the Dolphins need to uh, address wide receiver in the draft. Um, maybe you believe that because of the uncertainty there anyway, that that's something that they need to do regardless, uh, but maybe it's something that they need to do earlier in the draft. Maybe Devontae Parker becomes a guy that the Dolphins start to shop around. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe they just take whatever they can get for Dar uh, for Devontae Parker because they just aren't sold that he will ever be a consistent quality wide receiver in this league. So uh, I think the wide receiver thing, that's that's big. The Jay Cutler thing is, is also interesting because while... Pretty much everybody would admit that the Jay Cutler experiment has been disappointing. Uh, there's still the potential that Jay Cutler, because he knows Adam Gase's system, because Adam Gase is seemingly so enamored with Jay Cutler, that they could bring Jay Cutler back as a backup to Ryan Tannehill next year because Matt Moore uh, his contract is expiring at the end of this season, and he most likely will not be back. And then the Dolphins are going to need to have a backup quarterback if they're going into next year thinking that they're a playoff team. And that, you know, whether or not you believe that they should be thinking it, it would seem like that is where their thought process is. So it'll be interesting to see if Jay Cutler plays well over these last two weeks what kind of uh, deal he might be looking at it potentially coming back or does he go back to being retired going back to playing uh, going back to being in broadcasting or if he plays really well over the last two weeks maybe next offseason some other team is willing to throw 10 million dollars at Jay Cutler for a one-year deal so he's another guy I think uh, you you have to look at the continued play of the offensive line. Obviously, Kenyon Drake uh, seems to have locked up uh, the the starting running back job for next year based on his play over the past few weeks. Um, and then the young players on defense. Uh, you want to see more uh, growth from Xavier Howard. Um, Cordray Tankersley may or may not play. If he does, you really want to see him have a good game because he was a guy that really had not been playing well for several weeks before missing the last couple of games. And over the last couple of games, the Dolphins cornerbacks have actually played well without him. And so that leads you to believe, well, maybe Cordreo Tankersley has a lot to prove to really uh, lock down a starting job for next year, especially with uh, the return expected of Tony Lippett next year. Um, and then finally, I think the linebackers, uh, Lawrence Timmons is a guy who, uh, a two year deal, but, uh, he's a guy that could be cut if the Dolphins don't feel that it is worth it to keep him around next year. He could be a guy that's a cap casualty, but he's a guy that has played really well at times 
for the Dolphins. He's also kind of disappeared at times. But if he plays really well over the last two games and shows that he actually wants to be here, I think he would be a nice player to hold on to, especially as you try to bring along younger players at that position because you already, uh, you know, you're expecting to get Raekwon McMillan back next year. Chase Allen has had a nice rookie year, but doesn't appear like he is really a a starting outside linebacker in this league. And so you're probably going to need to draft another outside linebacker in this draft and maybe two uh, outside linebackers in this draft when you consider that whether it's Lawrence Timmons or Kiko Alonso, even if both of those guys are back next year, and we're, we know that Alonso is going to be back next year, but even if both of those guys are back next year, it's almost 100% that both of those guys will not be back two years from now. So the Dolphins will need to be drafting linebackers this year, and you'd like for them to not have to thrust those rookie linebackers right in there, especially if the idea next year is that they are going for a playoff spot. So those are kind of the the areas of of uh, of interest. Obviously, the first round pick, Charles Harris, who flashed. He he's kind of flashed a couple of times this year. He's had he had a few games, kind of you know third fourth week of the season. Then he kind of disappeared for a long stretch over the Dolphins' losing streak, and then over the last couple of weeks, he's flashed again. It, can he be a consistent pass rusher, and can he be also a complete defensive end, a guy that the Dolphins could put in more than in just passing down situations, but also in first, second, third down? Can he be a three-down player for this team going forward? Is he a viable replacement going forward for Cameron Wake a year or two years down the line? And also you want to see more of uh, Davon Godchow and Vincent Taylor. Uh, so those are really the areas that I'm interested in, that I think you should be interested in um, as we go into these last two weeks. And it starts with this game in Kansas City. And this game, I mean, honestly, I believe whether the Dolphins win or lose, their playoff hopes will come to an end this this week because I believe that Buffalo will lose. I believe I don't believe that all of those games are going to go the Dolphins' way, but I think also this Dolphin team just isn't a good team. And it, it, like, if you had a chance, and last week you look at it now and you say, "Well, man, if the Dolphins would have won last week, this week would have been an opportunity for the Dolphins to." Get, it, get themselves into a position where they would actually control their own destiny had they won last week. And to do that in Buffalo against a team that, while they're 8-6, and six, is really just, you know, really a mediocre team, a team that has really no semblance of wide receivers. Um, they're really like a one-trick pony on offense. Tyrod Taylor's a nice quarterback, but he's nothing spectacular. And you go and you lay an egg and you basically get dominated. And I know the game was still in doubt in the fourth quarter, but really that was a domination by Buffalo in a game that Miami needed to have coming off of their two best games of the season. 
and that's the way that they performed. And now this week, they go into Kansas City, just as difficult an environment to play in, against a better team, against a team that needs to win this game also. Because the Chiefs, if they win this game, they wrap up the division. And if they lose this game, all of a sudden their playoff hopes are in doubt. So it's a game against a very good team that's playing very well, that is very well motivated. I don't see this going well for the Dolphins. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins kept it close because that's kind of what we do. We kind of play to the level of our competition. But I think we're going to have a hard time with Travis Kelsey, uh, especially if the plan is to have Kiko Alonso covering him. Um, I think maybe if TJ McDonald is manned up on him, maybe you have a little bit better shot, but then you still got uh, really explosive weapons in, in uh, Tyreek Hill, as well as uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Alex Smith is not going to make the big mistake, and Kansas City has a lot of talented playmakers on defense that I believe can wreak havoc on Jay Cutler and this Dolphins offense. I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs win this. I think maybe the Dolphins kind of keep it close for a little bit, but then the Chiefs pull away. I've got the Chiefs winning this one 27-16. And ending, finally, mercifully, the hopes for the Miami Dolphins uh, making the playoffs this season. And at that point, if the Dolphins lose, they would fall to then 6-9. and nine. Uh, And then at that point, they would have one game left, a home game against Buffalo. And as much as I would love for at that point for the Dolphins to just say, hey, let's lose this game and let's get the better draft pick... It, I mean, there's not a more Buffalo thing to do than to control your own destiny going into the last week of the playoffs, go into Miami and lose to a to a non-playoff team, and there's not a more Miami Dolphins thing to do than to be out of the playoff race and have a meaningless home game in the last game of the season against a team that could make the playoffs and win that meaningless game to then... Uh, you know, basically lose about three or four spots in the draft. So that's the way that I see it going. That's the way I see it going this week. And that's the way I see it going uh, for the rest of the season. Because again, they're the same old Dolphins. And there are a few records that are more same old Dolphins than 7-9. and nine, And I believe that that's where the Dolphins are headed. Because they are the same old Dolphins. So... For Amplified to Rock, I am Aaron the Brain. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. Josh at Amplified to Rock. Uh, you can follow Bad Bruno, who gives us our awesome punk cover of the Miami Dolphins fight song that we use as our theme song every week. You can follow them at Bad Bruno Punk. You can follow uh, at Dolphins on Scout. To follow DolphinsReport.com, a page that I frequently write for, um, for everything Dolphins. And until uh, Sunday afternoon, where we'll probably do a wrap-up show. If not Sunday afternoon, probably Monday evening. Um, 
like I said, for Josh, this is air in the brain. Let's go, Dolphins. Kinda.